0: Today on Know the Truth, a new message from Philip DeCoursey.
1: Remember how Jesus told us, beware that false Christ will arise. The implication of the text is that Timothy was already living in the last days. And this religious deception and resistance to the truth is a preview of things to come. If it was the last days then, how much more is it the last days now?
0: Welcome to Know the Truth, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today, Philip DiCorsi brings us to 2 Timothy to help build up our armor against the church's greatest threat, false religious teachers. We're learning how to resist those who resist the truth with the start of a message called Danger Ahead from the Without Apology series. And if you're on the go right now, remember you can always find these lessons and listen on your own time at ktt.org or on the KTT app. Right now, here's Pastor Philip.
1: of you remember the TV series Lost in Space. It was the story of the Robinsons and how they survived a horrendous crash and they were working furiously to get back to earth. There was the Robinson family, there was the pilot, there was this troublesome stowaway, and there was the robot, the robot that looked like a garbage can with a glass lamp on its head. You remember one of the little phrases of that TV series was, danger, danger, danger. Well, Robinson, danger. Well, as we come to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, the Apostle Paul is saying, danger, Timothy, danger, because there lies ahead of Timothy a time that indeed will pose as a threat to the welfare of the church and the purity of the of the gospel. There was danger ahead for young Timothy, the church, and the gospel. And the striking thing is, as we'll see in the passage we're about to expound together, the danger does not come from censorship outside the church, but compromise inside the church. The threat to the gospel and the church and Timothy's ministry is empty religion liberal theology that will act like a cancer in the body of Christ. There is a form of godliness that will infect the church, but it will deny the very power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit behind that gospel. It is striking, isn't it, to realize that the gospel's greatest threat will not come from confirmed pagans or hostile governments, but from false religious teachers who resist God. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. According to verse 8, they are men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, having resisted the truth. We need to be alert to the fact that the dark underworld has gone undercover in the church i hope you know this that the devil has always tried to beat the church by joining the church he's a deceiver he comes in the guise of an angel of light he will prove indeed to be a threat to the church from within the church by using false teachers and teaching as spiritual saboteurs Listen to Vance Havner, the temple of truth has never suffered so much from woodpeckers on the outside as from termites on the inside. Listen to William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. That's the danger that lies ahead. And we're going to see it worked out before us here in 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 9. Now, let's just get our bearings a little bit. Let's put our tax within the context. There's a clear and present danger every day for the church. And this cancer of false teaching and teachers will quickly and clearly metastasize in the last days. And so Paul writes... To Timothy and reminds him of his need to be brave and vigilant in the face of this ever-present threat of theological confusion and compromise. And that wasn't going to be easy for him because his natural tendency was to timidity. That wasn't going to be easy for him because he was about to lose the handrail that was Paul himself, his father in the faith. This wasn't going to be easy because he saw how Paul had been treated as a messenger of the gospel. He's now in chains, although the word of God is not chained. It wasn't going to be easy because perilous times were coming. And so Paul writes in this last letter to encourage his little friend to be brave and to be vigilant and to know that the last days will be marked by religious deception and delusion. So let's come and look at this passage. There's three things, the alert, the apostasy, the avoidance. Let's look at the alert. Back to verse one. Notice the conjunction, which is a mild adversative in the Greek, but know this, but signals a turn in the text, a change of direction. Having ended his last train of thought on an optimistic note, that perhaps God will bring those who oppose the gospel to repentance at the end of chapter two. We read that. Paul now proceeds to add a dose of realism for Timothy's sake. If you scroll down to verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That will be the prevailing mood and Timothy must be alert and alive to that fact. But know this. It's quite a dramatic little phrase. It's a present active imperative. Timothy, you need to listen to what I'm about to say. We hold out hope that God in his mercy would grant repentance to those that don't know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. But you know what? I need to remind you that always won't be the case. That may not materialize in the way and in the numbers that we would like. Therefore, you need to be realistic It's going to be tough sledding in the ministry. The context in which you will preach the Word of God will be one where you'll face resistance and refusal. In in the good old days, back in the time when in school your headmaster could wallop you, I went to a high school in Belfast that the teacher could get away with almost anything. And he would often come around and if he felt you weren't, listen, he would grab you by the locks of your hair. I remember one day I was mucking around in the classroom, wasn't listening, and Mr. Houston comes along, grabs me by the locks on my hair, pulls me up, and speaks into my ear, are you getting this to course? <laughs> well, I wasn't, but I can tell you, I started to get it from that moment forward. It's old school stuff, but it worked. And that's what Paul's saying here to Timothy. Do you get this, Timothy? Perilous times will come. The minister and the message will be vehemently opposed. One of the commentators says this, Paul does not want Timothy to be naive about the difficulty that the spirit of the age presents to his ministry. There's two things in terms of this alert. Number one, the times, and number two, the threat. Having talked about false teachers and false teaching, Paul now sets it in a wider context of a, a eschatological fulfillment. Remember how Jesus told us in the Olivet Discourse, speaking of the time of the tribulation leading up to his return in power and glory, that beware the false Christ will arise. In the last days, religious deception and delusion will mark the tribulation period leading up to the coming of Jesus Christ, and Paul sets Timothy's ministry into that kind of context because he wants them to know that the last days will be marked by false teachers and teaching culminating in the Antichrist, the false prophet, and lying wonders. And Timothy was living an aspect of that future in the present, because the times in which he lived were the last days. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. The implication of the text is that Timothy was already living in the last days. And this religious deception and resistance to the truth is a preview of things to come. Now, you need to make a distinction. The last days are not only the days immediately preceding Jesus' second coming. They are profoundly that, but they are not only that. Technically speaking, The last days stretch from the beginning of Jesus' first coming to the beginning of his second coming. I'll give you two verses that will reinforce that. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. In former times, God spoke in various manner through the prophets and men of God, but in what? These last days he has spoken by his Son. When Jesus was speaking, we were in the last days. 1 John 2, verse 18 Children, it is the last time, and many antichrists are to be found in the world. The last days will intensify, nevertheless, like birth pains do before a delivery, so man will indeed go from worse to worse being deceived and deceiving. So the times are the last days. Timothy, do you not understand where you are on the prophetic clock? It's the last days. And perilous times will come. And it's a good question to ask ourselves at any point. Where are we on the prophetic clock? Well, this was written almost 2,000 years ago. And maybe we would borrow the words of Paul in Romans 13, 11 to 14, that our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. If it was the last days then, how much more? Is it the last days now? The countdown is getting closer every day. Let's understand the time we're in. It's the last days. And we may very well be in the last of the last days. Wasn't it said of the tribe of Issachar they understood the times in which they were and what they had to do? So that's the times, the threat. According to the aged and about to be martyred Paul, the last days will be perilous. That's the threat, fraught with danger, marked by menace. In fact, it's interesting, this word perilous is only to be found one other time. It's used in Matthew 8, verse 28. It describes the savage and violent nature of the demon-possessed man. In Extant Greek, the famous Greek writer, Plutarch, used this word to describe an ugly, infected, and dangerous wound. So the last days will be marked by savagery, difficulty, peril, violence, satanic activity. Notice the phrase times, perilous times. It's interesting to realize that the Greek word is kairos, not Chronos. Two Greek words for time in the New Testament, Kronos carries the idea of linear time, one moment leading to another moment, minutes turning into hours, hours turning into days, days turning into weeks in a linear fashion, one after another. But that's not the word Paul uses here. He uses kairos, which carries the idea of times within time, seasons, epics. That's the word he uses, not clock time or calendar time. He's speaking about certain times within time, and in this case, it's of apostasy leading to great apostasy before the revealing of the Antichrist. Dangerous and deceptive movements will accumulate throughout church history and crest towards the end time. Putting it all together, Paul is telling us that the last days won't be uniformly evil, but will be punctuated by repeated and repetitive cycles of ugly, dangerous, wild times. And Timothy needs to brace himself for those times. In fact, one of those times was emerging during this time. There was a cycle of persecution that was about to unfold in the life of the church. Paul would lose his life as would others. And so Paul is reminding Timothy you're living in the last days, Timothy. The last days were inaugurated at the coming of Jesus Christ. And between his first coming and his second coming, there will be repeated cycles of apostasy and anarchy and apathy, all leading to the manifestation of the man of sin, the greatest evidence of apostasy and anarchy in human history. And so Timothy was to brace himself for those challenging times. He was to be a good soldier who could endure hardship. Remember, he says that back in chapter 2 and verse 3. Because truth will be savaged, the gospel will be attacked, and preachers will be persecuted. That's the point. So that's the alert. But before we leave it, let me just kind of wrap it up with a kind of illustration of what we're talking about here. And it comes from the life of Ignatius, one of the great leaders of the early church. He was a friend and a companion of the Apostle John. He was the Bishop of Antioch. He led the church in Antioch, Syria for many years and was arrested by the Roman government. There's no record of why they arrested him, no charges were indeed filed. His arrest remains a mystery. We do know that he was led away in chains from Antioch to Rome. He wrote a letter back to the church in Ephesus about his harsh treatment, although God gave him much grace because he calls his chains my spiritual jewels. His trial was a mockery, his conviction, an injustice. He faced horrible tortures. Finally, in AD 107, he was led to the Colosseum and through the wild beasts to be mauled to death. In his letter to the Ephesians, listen to his words just before his death. He wrote this The last days are here. Let our lot be genuine life in Jesus Christ. Do not let anything catch your eye beside him. It's a good word to them, it's a good word. To us. So that's the alert. Secondly, we've got the apostasy. But know this that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then he goes on to describe an apostasy. You see, according to the Apostle Paul, the menace is man and the peril is people. Know this that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. For man will be lovers of money, for men will be lovers of pleasure rather than of God. The issue is what men will do. It is the actions and the attitudes of men that will bring about this era of peril and savagery on the earth and towards the church. Man is not the solution. Never has been, never will be. Man is not the solution. The problem man has is himself. And the people in question here, interestingly, are of a religious flavor. One writer calls them theological creeps because they creep into houses and they find unstable women and they make them captives to their false teaching. And so we are dealing with theological creeps. That's who's being described here. We tend to look at this passage, and we tend to generalize it, and we tend to throw it in the direction of society at large, but the men that are being described here are theological creeps, religious imposters. This is apostasy inside the church. What's being described here is the world inside the church. My friend Mark Hitchcock, explains this in his book, The Coming Apostasy. We need to recognize that the conditions or symptoms described in 2 Timothy 3:1 to 13 are conditions within the visible church. Obviously, the kinds of sins listed here have always been prevalent in society at large. That's nothing new. The shocking thing here is that the sins of the culture become the sins of the church. It's one thing for the boat to be in the water. It's another thing for the water to be in the boat. It's one thing for the church to be in the world. It's another thing for the world to be in the church. Unregenerate society has always looked like this, but when the church starts to look like this, we're in perilous times. Mark goes on to quote Don Carson. This appearance of godliness can have many different shapes. It may be fine liturgy, or it may be a lot of exuberant noise. It may bubble over into a lot of fluent God talk. What is missing, however, is the transforming power of the gospel that actually changes the lives of people. There's a form of godliness described here, but it denies the power of the gospel. And so what we're dealing with here is the apostasy that will take place in the church, There's three things about this apostasy and the leaders that will bring it about. One, their conduct. Two, their creed. Three, their converts. Look at their conduct. This is verses 2 through 4. What Paul's describing here in these 19 characteristics are the false teachers who will make up the unregenerate church and they will spread their false teaching like a cancer, which we read about in chapter 2. In these 19 traits, we have men who profess godliness, but their lives belie a lack of love for God. They are lovers of themselves. They are lovers of money. They are lovers of pleasure. They are not lovers of God, but they're in the ministry. They're in the church. You'll find them in clerical robes. They'll carry Bibles. They'll sing hymns but their life will belie the lie that they love God. And you'll see it in their conduct. And this catalog of corrupting conduct is bracketed by the thought that they love themselves rather than God.
0: Philip will be back in just a moment, so stay with us. You're listening to Know the Truth in the start of a lesson titled Danger Ahead from the Without Apology series. Remember, you can replay any message online at ktt.org or on the KTT podcast. Just search your favorite podcast platform like Spotify for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today we were reminded in Paul's second letter to Timothy that there will be great deception and many false teachers in the last days. And if Paul considered the last days then, then we're even further into the last days now. And that's why Know the Truth exists. We're here to share the gospel with the world in need of truth, in clarity, and full power. In a world full of false teachers and doctrines, it's critical. And it's the faithful financial support of our monthly Truth Ambassadors that allows us to carry out this vital task. Philip, we call them Truth Ambassadors for good reason. Why don't you tell us how you coined that term? Of course. It was the Apostle Paul who
1: first used that word. He said, we are ambassadors for Christ. And a truth ambassador is what we call those friends and listeners who help us be ambassadors for Christ in the world of media, who help us share the gospel with the world in need of truth. These are people who have signed up for regular automated monthly donations that spur this ministry and this message forward. And so as we begin a new year, we want to begin strong. We want to minister from the front foot. We want to be in a place to launch into the new year with momentum. We're a listener-supported ministry, and therefore we need the support of listeners. And so we trust that God will provide all that we need to accomplish His work through those who hear and benefit from this ministry. And that's why I want to be honest and open in inviting all of you to join us in this work. As this ministry has touched and impacted your walk with the Lord, Will you partner with us prayerfully and more importantly, financially this year? And as you are able, will you take that next step and commit to an ongoing partnership with us financially by becoming a Truth Ambassador? It's quick and easy to sign up and then your gift is automatically withdrawn each month, which gives us stability and strength in 2023. It's easy. It's hassle-free. And we also have some wonderful resources we'll send you to show our gratitude. Wayne, will you tell them more?
0: Yes, Philip, I will. When you sign up to give a monthly automated gift to know the truth, we'll send you our thanks with a book that will help you deepen your Christian life. It's called Living by God's Promises by Joel R. Beakey and James A. LaBelle. This book will energize and deepen your life as you appropriate the precious promises found in God's Word. As a new Truth Ambassador, you'll also receive a welcome package with books and other resources from Pastor Philip, along with a newly designed Know the Truth shirt to be reminded of your role on the Know the Truth team. Again, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. You can also send your donation by mail. Write to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. I'm your host, Wayne Shepard, signing off, but join us tomorrow as Philip DeCourcy continues today's message. It's a warning on deception for the church titled, Danger Ahead. That's Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.